Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, November the 21st, 2023. It is the 33rd Tuesday in Ordinary Time. It's also the Feast of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So I want to focus today on this idea of, it's not just an idea, it's the reality of the house. What is a house? What does it mean? He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. And Jesus saying, today salvation has come to this house. You know, it's, um, it's hard to find the balance. And I often mess up in this regard. Finding the balance between Jesus loving the person in their sins and going to the house, even with the ridicule of the Pharisees, and yet Jesus still converting us. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's turning us away from our sins. He's, he's there to forgive our sins. But how does Jesus do it? Jesus does it with amazing power, with amazing love, even just with his presence. So I know there's many gospel passages that talk about uh, correcting your brother. I mean, not many, but I mean, certainly Jesus, he reverses the sentiment of Cain at the beginning of the Old Testament when he uh, sarcastically smart aleck in a smart alecky sort of a way says, what am I, my brother's keeper? Uh, we are instructed in the new Testament that we are to call our brothers and sisters to conversion. And really the closer we are with a person, the greater is our obligation. Yet Jesus himself does it through his power, his love, his presence. You know, they know who Jesus is. He's done all these amazing things. Zacchaeus, he doesn't really do much with Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus knows who he is. Why else would he climb a tree to see him? And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And that's it. Zacchaeus turns from his sins. He even repents of his sins. So we can't control the outcome. We can't control other people's hearts. But let's talk about the house. You know, we can, we can strive to uh, evangelize others. One of the ways we evangelize others is we meet in the house, as Jesus was going to do. First, let's talk about our feast today. 
It's the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's different from the presentation of Jesus. See, because Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. When Jesus is brought to be presented in the temple, and we celebrate this February 2nd, in the old calendar, it is the official close of the Christmas season. I like to celebrate that way as well, keeping January festive and keeping the decorations up. Anyway, it's another whole story, which we can get to in January and February. But the presentation of Jesus is something where Jesus doesn't require any redemption for himself, but he requires redemption for the human race. That's why he comes. He comes to save us. And when he's brought into the temple to be presented to the Father, as all the firstborn Jewish males are, they rejoice in the temple because they were waiting for the Messiah. And Simeon knows, he says, now, Master, meaning God, you can let your servant go in peace. My own eyes have seen the salvation for which we have prepared, etc. I hope I don't sound like, you know, the thing. Anyway, (laughs) it's a prayer we say every night, what Simeon says. I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on some of the words. So in Mary's presentation in the temple, it's not about God going into the temple. And in fact, she's older when she goes to be presented. She is not a firstborn male. She's a firstborn female, but the, the rules are all different. It's an entirely different scenario. But what happens is Joachim and Anne, her parents, had not been able to have a child. And now they're past childbearing years. They're considered old, whatever that means for back then. And they were considered cursed because they had not been able to have a child. That's how it looked to the other people. There must be something wrong with them. There must be something wrong with their relationship with God. They have no children. And so Joachim and Anne prayed and they promised God that if you give us a child, we will offer this child to your service. And so Anne conceived with Mary. Joachim and Anne did not realize who it was that they were giving birth to. St. Louis de Montfort has a beautiful little section where he says, the parents of Mary would have said, who is this child? Who could she possibly be? Because they knew she was very special, very important in God's plan, but they didn't quite know who she was, who she was, what the plan was. So, okay, they have Mary. They start to raise her. She gets to a certain age, and they bring her to the temple to be presented. And it's kind of like going to the convent. There was a special uh, school for the young girls, and it's the temple school. She was raised, in part, in the temple with the other girls that were specially chosen. And the story goes, and we see this in the Proto-Evangelium of James. It's a book written right around the year 200 A.D., that tells the story of Mary's life. Uh, it talks about Joachim and Anne. It also talks about her assumption and a few things in between. But in the Proto-Evangelium of James, it just talks about how Mary excelled. Mary was deeply spiritual, deeply knowledgeable. And so she was revered and given special honors. And then eventually it leads to uh, her being betrothed to Joseph and just there's... A lot of things to be said about that. They were both very, very good people. They were both people, and this is according to some private revelation, but also uh, books that have imprimaturs, books that haven't been condemned by the church, where uh, Mary and Joseph were intending, both of them intending celibacy, B 
because that was the longing of their heart. And yet they were placed together. They were both seen as very special and they were perfect for each other. We don't know a ton about St. Joseph. We know a little bit about Mary. Anyway, so we celebrate today the day that Mary was brought to the temple. It's all a foreshadowing and a participation, the beginning of a participation in the larger plan, which is for Mary to, you know, with Jesus and with Mary, even though there's a perfection there from the beginning, Jesus being God, Mary being the Immaculate Conception, still they have to be raised. Still they have to be formed on the human level. So Mary is raised by the the priests and the servants of the temple, in addition to Joachim and Anne, who were considered very good people. And so Mary is raised to be, more and more as she goes, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God, the mother of the Messiah, so that she's able to say, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. So with Mary, once again, we have this theme of the home, the house. Joachim and Anne prepared their home. They didn't realize they were preparing for the mother of the Messiah. But they knew it would be a special child. They knew the child would be dedicated to God's service. And plus, everyone wanted to have children. I was told, you know, in my studies that Jewish women all wanted to have children, not just because they were loving, good, motherly people that wanted to have kids, but also because their child could possibly be the Messiah. In the case of Joachim and Anne, they gave birth to the mother of the Messiah. And so salvation, in a sense, came to that house because of their prayer, because of their faith, because of their perseverance. And then Mary is trained and raised and prepared for her own home, in which she would, in fact, be welcoming in the Messiah. Isn't it ironic? Mary intended virginity. This is why she says to the angel, how can this be? When the angel says, you're going to have a baby. How can this be? Because she intended virginity. And then the angel says, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will be (laughs) the other part in this puzzle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, this child will be called Holy, the Son of the Most High God. And so Mary is meant to prepare a home for Jesus, the home in Nazareth. She gives birth in Bethlehem. We know the story. They go to Egypt. She provides a home for Jesus. Jesus sanctifies family life. But there's so much more to this home that Mary is preparing. Mary's home is the fulfillment of the house of Israel. Mary's home is the fulfillment of the house of the human race, the human race and Israel both being the bride. And now the church becomes the bride and Mary is the first member Mary is the mother of the new home, and that is the church that Jesus founds. Jesus makes it clear he's founding a church in a few different places, such as when he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Mary prepares a home. Salvation comes to this home. We desperately need our homes to be sanctified. If we see our country as our home, if we see our church as as our home. God Almighty gave us responsibility uh, for our family members. God gave us authority over various family members. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world because, and we all were born and conceived and born with original sin. Why? Because Adam and Eve were given that authority over the human race as its first parents. 
In the same way, we reverse that with every baptism. These parents are given authority over these children. And so they can have them baptized. It's true that child's salvation ultimately will depend if they get old enough, you know, past the single digits, get into their teenage years. Yeah, they're going to be responsible for their own faith, their own moral choices, their own actions. But in those earlier years, the parents are responsible and then that will have ramifications for the future. A priest has authority over his people. He can say things in and with authority whether people like it or not. And the list goes on and on and on. God shares his divine authority with those that are placed under our care. I mean, yeah, with those that are (laughs) those of us that have care over others. We share in that authority and God respects it. But it's also a, uh, a great responsibility. It's something that we should take on with fear and trembling. Once again, getting back to Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't simply say, why did Jesus say what he said? He didn't simply say, Zacchaeus, you are saved. (laughs) He said, salvation comes to this house. The house representing so many things. It represents family. It represents the temple of the church. Each family, each home is a mini church. It's the basic building block, both of church and society. Salvation comes to this house. We don't know about Zacchaeus. Did he have a whole family living there? Um, We don't know, too. Maybe the house had demons in it. And maybe Jesus, by coming into it, he got rid of those demons. And now Zacchaeus, see, when you get rid of demons, it's not enough to just do the deliverance prayers, but the person needs confession. The person needs to turn from sin. And so if the per- if people in a house keep sinning, the demons come back. The blessing doesn't have much effect. Might have a little effect at that moment. So we consider all these things as we go to Thanksgiving now. Imagine yourself as Joachim and Anne and you are preparing the house. Of course, too, as we prepare for Christmas. In other words, we're preparing the space, we're preparing our families. Imagine yourself as Mary preparing for the Messiah. This is a great image that we use throughout the Advent season. Putting out the crib and leaving it empty. It's a great tradition. We always used to do that. We would put baby Jesus in the crib on Christmas morning. And although we might have forgotten once or twice, technically we weren't allowed to open our presents until Jesus was in the crib. Sometimes he wasn't in there. We were looking for Jesus. Uh I would just remember in a set of bulletin bloopers, sometimes there's just some funny stuff out there and there was a bulletin blooper. Well, it was a bulletin that says, um, our sermon for today, Jesus walks on water. The sermon next week, searching for Jesus. It was kind of funny. I don't know, but that's how we felt sometimes on Christmas morning when we couldn't find the baby Jesus to put in the crib so that then we could open our presents. Talk about being frustrated as a kid because all I wanted to do was go down and open those presents. So we are preparing our homes this week, and it's just good that we think about our families and our loved ones, offer prayers for them. Prepare not just the food, but prepare our hearts. Strive to bring Jesus into these celebrations, into these places. How can we do that? You know, it'd be good to say prayers over our home before the family members come. Maybe place some extra blessed objects around the house. Bless the house with some holy water. 
say prayers the day of, maybe even say prayers with our family when they get to the house. But realize moments like this are given to us so that salvation can come to the house, so that we can bond with our family members and our loved ones in the Lord, so that we can hopefully lead them closer to God. Might not necessarily be the thing that we want to preach to them and hit them over the heads with our Bibles when they come in the door, but to embrace them with love, to embrace them with kindness, and to wrap everything up in prayer. So we ask our Lord that he may come to our houses this week par excellence. May he live in our homes. May he live in our families. May he bring about greater unity and may he heal all the wounds of our past, whether caused by us, our other loved ones, or those who have gone before us. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.